everybody. Welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Robbins. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. And here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. So today I'm so excited to have William Wildblood on the show. William was born in London, and after a period of working as an antique dealer, he left the UK. He ran a guest house in South India for several years, and then another in France, where he also was also an occasional guide at the medieval abbey of Lamont Saint. I'm not going to say this right. I'm just going to go with Michael. He returned to England at the end of the 20th century and since has worked for BBC magazines in various capacities, including seven years as an antique columnist. His new book, Earth is a School, presents the case for the material world as a spiritual school, specifically tailored to develop consciousness and bring the human soul closer to recognition of its divine source. The planet serves as a training ground for the soul. Welcome, William. Thank you very much for having me on your show, Amy. Hi, if you're listening to my podcast when it drops, we made it. It is December 2021. It seems insane that a year has gone by. Uh, just few reminders. There's several things you could do to support my podcast. And I'd really, really appreciate if you did. So the first one is you can rate and review it. If you haven't rated and reviewed my podcast yet, it just takes a minute of your time. It's in the app. Just go ahead, click rate and review. If you want to write something, I love reading what everybody wrote. I can't respond to them, but I do love reading them. Also, please make sure if you can to donate on Patreon. Patreon is a site. You can find me at patreon.com and just put in Amy Robbins and I will pop up. Every little bit helps to support my podcast. So all of my podcast is paid for out of me. Um, I, you know, work hard and I want to provide you all with amazing content. And so if you could help me sort of like NPR, I would be very, very grateful. Also, please follow me on social media at Dr. Amy Robbins. You can find me on YouTube if you want to watch me. Uh, also, I have a new exciting website coming in January. So lots of exciting stuff coming for all of you, not to mention my amazing season in 2022. So thank you all for your support and enjoy this month's episodes. You just came out with this new book, um, Earth is a School. And I hear this concept of Earth being a school quite often, but can you explain what exactly that means? I will, I will do my best. The, the idea is that we exist before we're born in this world. We exist as souls on the, on the spiritual plane. So we don't have our, our birth as when we're, birth, when we're born into this world or at conception. We have existed for who knows how long. Obviously, time in the spiritual plane is a different thing to how it is here. But we come down from this plane of this peace, oneness, joy, to this earthly world, which is a difficult world, full of challenges and 
difficulties and pain and duality of the good and bad, because that's the only type of world in which we can actually learn and grow. If we existed forever on a spiritual plane, there's no room for growth there because there's no challenge. So this is where we come down to this difficult world and everybody in this world suffers, everybody has pain, everybody has challenges. But it's through overcoming those and facing those that we learn spiritual lessons, which will eventually bring us to the point where we become fully conscious spiritual beings. Because although we are spiritual beings right from the beginning, we are baby spiritual beings, either without proper intelligence or creativity or even love. Because I, I feel that so love, proper love, requires an awareness of suffering. That's a deep love requires an awareness of suffering. That's what brings love out, I think, and and transforms it from a, a sort of warm, nice, comfortable emotion to something much deeper and more soul-transforming. So every time we come to this earth, we come as a baby soul, or each time our soul comes back further and further evolved? Well, I believe in reincarnation. So I think, I think it's the latter. I think we start off as a baby soul, and as we grow, we, we make decisions, we make choices, because the essence of a, of a spiritual being is free will. So as, as we proceed along the path, we experience the results of our, of our choices, either in this life or, or previous lives. And that gives us new challenges and new opportunities to grow further. And can you explain a little bit more about this notion that the more we suffer, the deeper we love? Yes, because I think that brings out empathy, the feeling of feeling for somebody else. If if we suffer, we can identify more with other people's suffering. If we've never really suffered, then somebody else's suffering may, wake, may awaken a kind of sympathy in us, but we can't have that deep, almost visceral feeling of identification. And if, if you look at the faces of truly spiritual people, you, I think you will see suffering etched on those faces. It's not a kind of bland peaceful, smiling, always happy face. There is a depth there, and that depth, unfortunately, <laughs> it comes from suffering or from having suffered. But you transform that suffering as, as Christ did, and it becomes, it becomes a creative thing. Now, this, this is not a justification for suffering. This doesn't mean to say we should encourage suffering or ignore suffering in others. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means that suffering does and pain, they do have a purpose, uh, a creative purpose. It sounds like it's really about how we transform suffering or our, even our mindset or how we think about suffering in this world. Uh, it's, I think it's exactly that, yes. It's, it's how we respond to it. And I, I always have to say, be very careful about this idea because it doesn't mean suffering is good. Suffering is not good at all. It's, it's terrible. But it has a creative side and it gives us a deeper entrance into other people because if we've suffered ourselves, then we can 
empathize with them. Empathize is a weak word. It's, it's much more than that. It's, mm -hmm. it's a very, very deep, profound feeling of connection. And that's, that brings love onto the spiritual plane, you see, because we all, we all love, we love our family, we love our friends and, and so on and so forth. But spiritual love is something more than that, which is what you'd expect, isn't it? Because we, we know that love is the beating heart of the universe, really. If we believe in God, we know that. But we have to think that the love that God has and is the love that we should be growing towards is quite different to everyday human love. Everyday human love is, is an intimation of it, but it is not, it's not the same thing. It's, it's the beginning of it. I, I liken it to um, a little pool of water is a human love, but the love of God is the great ocean. Not a very good analogy, a bit trite, but <laughs> gives an idea. How do we identify in ourselves if we're feeling human love or spiritual love? How do you differentiate those two? Well, that's a very good question. I, does it matter? <laughs> I mean, what, what, I, what I would think is that hum, human love often revolves around us, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's how we are affected by that kind of love. There is an element of self-centeredness in human love, usually. I don't mean to say that's a bad thing. It's a natural thing. But divine love goes, goes beyond that. I suppose it's what Jesus says in the Bible, that the perfect love is when you die for your friends. Now, I'm not suggesting we all have to do that. But that's a love that goes beyond everyday human love, which mm -hmm. is um, unlikely to want to die. But human love, as I say, has something of the divine in it. It certainly does, because love, mm. love is love. But there are, there are just deeper and deeper levels of love. Well, and I, I don't know. I guess my, as I'm thinking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about my own love and the love for the people in my life and who I would die for. Um, and for everybody who's listening, if it's not you, don't be offended. But uh, I'm just thinking about the love that a parent has for a child. And that feels like in my mind, the closest that I can conceptually think about divine love or spiritual love. I think, I think that's exactly it. I mean, this is why God is conceived of as, as father and, and it, you also have God as mother in some, in some religions as well, because this relationship of a parent to its child is perhaps the closest we can conceive of as the relationship of God to us and, and us to God. So the, the connection of a, of a mother with her children is a, is a divine thing. I think it's possibly the closest, the closest to divine love that there is in the world, is that maternal love for a child. Because generally speaking, a mother will do anything for her children, however naughty they are. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, 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 we, and we even see this in the animal kingdom, don't we? So, but in the, in the human kingdom, it's, it's more intense, it's more, it's more personal, it's more understood, it's more realized. And I think this is a reflection of, of divine love. 
This is so why, why when this people is... talk about the idea of hell, I find that quite difficult to believe because no no human parent would ever send their child to something like hell, obviously. Um, they might mm. send them to their room for a period, but they wouldn't they wouldn't send them to hell. So I think this mm -hmm. is a reflection of the people who came up with the idea rather than the reflection of reality. I do think there are in the spiritual plane areas that might or spheres that might be hellish, but that's because after we die, we go to a world which is a reflection of our own consciousness. So somebody whose mm -hmm. consciousness mm -hmm. is very darkened will find himself in an externalization of his consciousness, and that will be a hell. But but in every um, every hell, there's a, there's an exit, I think. And so that I love that. After we die, we experience that which was a reflection of our own consciousness. I think so because the, the spiritual world is where the outer and the inner are one as it were. Um, this is why there are many levels in the spiritual world. In, in my house there are many mansions, Jesus said, or my father's house there are many mansions. So, and this is why it makes sense to to get things right in this world, because this is the, the place where you can transform your consciousness to, to reflect as much of light and truth as, as you possibly can, so that after you go to the next world, you will find yourself in a place which is is good because that will be a, an outgrowing or an, an externalization of what you are. It doesn't mean to say you're stuck in that sort of thing forever because there's always areas for growth and change, but that's how you'll start off. That's my view. So so I have a couple questions. One is actually a question from a listener, and, and I hope I'm going to get it right. But when I saw, you know, when you kind of came through my emails as someone for the show, I thought, oh, he might be perfect to answer this question. So if our goal is to become one with the divine God, the universe source, whatever you want to call it, why do we have to come to earth to do that? Why can't we just stay a soul and continue to evolve from a soul level, maybe helping other souls or helping other souls that are incarnate, um, rather than returning to a body time after time after time? Because we're, we're not fully conscious of, of God on that level. We're, we're conscious in a, a passive sense. As, as it goes back to what I was saying before about here being there being challenge and, and duality, the the ability to grow. We can do what you suggest on on an earlier phase of life, but we can do it much better if if we grow more into a deeper awareness of what God is, which we can do more when we learn. For instance, in this world, we can sacrifice, which we can't do on the spiritual world because if you're in a world where everything is peaceful, loving, beautiful, good. You can't, you can't do anything which requires sacrifice. You can't make yourself better in that world because there's no, there's no challenge. You're, you're in a sort of perfect state, but the idea of perfection is that not that it's a static thing. Perfection must always expand to become more perfection, greater perfection, deeper perfection. And so that's why you need to come to this world to, to open you up. It's rather, rather like, you know, a seed might be safe and secure under the earth, and the seed might say, 
what do I need to blossom for? I'm perfectly happy here. You know, it's, uh, I've got all I need. I've got, I've got some nourishment in the soil, some decent minerals, a bit of water comes down. Why should I grow up towards and have to struggle through all this earth? But when that seed becomes a flower, then it will understand why it did all that. So mm. the, the point is, I think that there's no challenge on the spiritual level because it's, it's a, a level of, of oneness. And therefore, it's not a level of growth. So although you, you can do all that your listener was, was suggesting, you always have the opportunity to do it better and to become more creative, to become more intelligent, to become more aware of the profundity of what God is, which is like a God is something which is never exhausted, but you have to be able to understand that and grow into that and be able to receive as much of God as you can. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking, so when the soul returns to earth in a body or when it is a soul, it doesn't, rem it's weird to talk about it as an it. I don't know what else to talk about it as. Does it remember in any way the experience of being in the body? Like I think about people who've talked about near-death experiences and what that that has felt like and their return, I think is the probably the closest information we have to what actually might go on on the other side. Um, and I guess I'm also curious from you, it sounds like you've been able to maybe connect with discarnate spiritual teachers, spirit guides, I'm assuming. Um, so how do we, how do we as humans in our minds make sense of all of this and how do we, um, as souls remember, or is it not possible to do that? So you think, how does the soul remember its experiences in the body after? Yeah. After? And, and does this, and does the soul remember its experience just as a soul? Well, the memory, the memory is there, but soul. it's also, it, as it were, seared into the consciousness. So the, the effects of the earthly life, I think it, it will, you will remember it, but possibly in a totally different way to how you experience it, because you won't be remembering it with your earthly brain. You will be remembering mm -hmm. it with your, with your spiritual self. And that will look at it, look at it in a completely different way to how you look at it and experience it now. So you'll certainly remember it, but I, I think you remember it in a different way because you'll be a different being. Um, you won't be a completely different being. You'll still be yourself. But I'll tell you one of the things that these discarnate teachers said to me, which made a lot of sense to me because it's something I'd always felt. They said that the greater part of you remains with us. Um, now, that's implying mm. that the, the soul, the spiritual self, sends down a part of itself to the earthly plane um, to experience but you, your spiritual self, are a much greater being than you are as Amy Robbins or William Wildblood or something. There is a, a much larger spiritual self behind that person. And I think we all have this experience when we think there is something more to us than the, the limited personality that we are in this world. 
and and that's the soul of which we can have a dim awareness especially i think children when they're very small when they soon forget it they have an awareness of a of a self beyond the everyday self now i don't know if all children do this but i know that i did i used to when i was small i used to go into a park with my parents and um look up at the sky and say i i came from there <laughs> i used to mm. i used to feel that and it's rather like i don't know if you know the poet wordsworth who wrote that we come trailing clouds of glory so a lot of small children have a recollection of of the spiritual plane they've come from they wouldn't define it like that of course but they just have a sense that this this world is not the only world i don't know how many people have that but i think many people who are on the spiritual path do have that kind of sense mhm so can you talk a little bit more about you wrote in the book discarnate spiritual teachers also exist and can impress our minds with their teaching if we become sensitive to their plane of being through prayer meditation and general spiritual attunement can you describe how we can begin to experience this cuz i think so many people are seeking this greater connection right now to something bigger than themselves how can we know that this is happening for us shall i shall i tell you a little bit about my experience with these teachers just as a as a kind of introductory bit to answering that question um absolutely so i i first encountered them when i was living with a friend with who i was pursuing a spiritual life he was a he was a much older man than me i think he was about 35 years older than me he'd been a benedictine monk he had also lived in india for some time but he'd never really found um a spiritual path that, that suited him anyhow we we met up and we decided our interests were similar and we we um pursued the spiritual life together and we used to meditate together every night and one night he went into a deep trance and he began sounding the om you know the indian syllable which is supposed to be mm-hmm. the root sound of the universe and he went on and on and on sounding this noise and it was very loud and i thought to myself how on earth can he do that i didn't think he was capable of such a thing and then he would he went completely silent and then uh, a voice spoke through him and it spoke to me and it told me that this arrangement was something they had desired and they desired it for teaching teaching me and it was soon apparent that although my you know i was naturally suspicious at first what's going on is this is this fake is this some kind of mental problem that this fellow has but it was soon apparent that these beings and i say these because there were several of them who would speak at different times were great spiritual beings um because of their wisdom and and their love and their insight into all the things that i needed to learn and and they spoke to me uh over a course of 20 years actually but a lot at the beginning less and less as time went by because the idea was that i should be able to tread the spiritual path on my own without being sort of spoon-fed like a baby which in a way is what them coming to me was a bit like one of the things they said to me was that after we no longer speak to you in this fashion we will impress 
your mind with with thoughts, which is up to you to respond to. So the idea was that they would then communicate with me on a, on a spiritual level, and I would receive that on on the, the spiritual level in through the soul, one might say. But then the soul has to transmit that down to the mind, and then the mind transmits it to the brain, and you have to put you have to put in into words so that you can understand it. So you have the thought, but they would communicate it in a in a spiritual form, which means non-verbally. And I believe, to answer your question now, that all people who aspire to understanding and are, are sincere in that aspiration will have their spiritual guides too. And their spiritual guides will be trying to impress them in the same way, on a, on a soul level. And then they have to be able to receive it and they have to be able to then put it into thoughts that, that make sense to them, since, as I say, it's a non-verbal communication. And I think that everybody who wants to do that, who wants to receive that, can do. It's rather like knock and the door will be opened. We have to do the knocking. We have to, we have to instigate the process, open it up by our, by our aspiration, by our desire. And then these spiritual guides are, are there waiting to to teach us. But now I think we've moved into a different phase in human evolution where, whereby we have to be a lot more proactive ourselves. We, in the past, people would just, you know, they would go to church and they'd be told what to do, what to think. You, you know, you're a religious person, you do it like this. You don't really have any choice in the matter. You just obey. Mm -hmm. but, but now the idea is that we become spiritual at a deeper level, a more active level. So we're not just um, we're not just passive and response, responding in a way which gives us no choice. We have to engage creatively with the spiritual world, and that means we actually become more spiritual at a deeper level ourselves. Mm. And I, th I think this is a, a relatively new development for a large amount of people. Maybe the last hundred odd years, I don't know. In the past, it would have just been a few of the saints and mystics who, who acted like this. But I do think there are more and more people nowadays who are capable and who want to engage with the spiritual world in, in that way. Well, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's not as um, closeted, for lack of a better term, anymore. That there are many more people out there talking about their own experiences. That's how I started this podcast was my own experience connecting with the other side that was spontaneous for me. But I think, I think not only is it maybe happening for more people spontaneously, but to your point, more people are really seeking it out and wanting it to happen for them because it does feel so transformative and like it shifts your whole view of earth. Yes. Now, the, the difficulty with that is, but when we're trying to do things for ourselves and become more conscious ourselves, we can make a lot more mistakes. It's um, it's rather like when you learn to ride a bicycle and you have those little stabilizers on the side and you don't fall over. But you, you take those off and you're on your own and, and you can you can fall over. So this, in a way, I think partly explains why there are so many spiritual groups and 
people engaged in spirituality who fall into illusion and um, mm. and self deception. But this is it's just it's a growing process. It's you know you have to make mistakes to you have to to find the truth and and we're all going to do it. But we have to do it to eventually find the truth and and life will will push us back. If we start sort of veering too much to the left, life, the experience of life will push us back towards the center. If we go too much to the right, it will push us again. I'm not talking politically. <laughs> it will push us again back towards <laughs> the center. So, so we are now free to make our mistakes, I think, spiritually, in a way that many people, most people probably weren't before, where if you were, if you were a Christian. And what would those mistakes church, look like? Sorry, I beg your what would spiritual what would spiritual mistakes look like? There are many people who can have a spiritual experience, a great uh, mystical experience in which they feel they're transcending themselves, they're maybe taken up even out of the body, they feel that they've become one with life, they're a huge inrush of knowledge into their head. Sometimes you can even feel I comprehend the entire universe. There is a there's a classic response to that called inflation, whereby you have this experience and you identify with the experience on a personal level. So you think, I am the realized being, I am the enlightened one. I am mm. even in some extreme places, I am God. Mm -hmm. So that's a spiritual mistake, and that's a spiritual mistake that's easy to make for people who are beginning the path when if you are engaging more creatively with spirituality, you're going to have experiences, especially, funnily enough, at the beginning of your of your journey, because then you are kind of lured onto the path with with uh, these little sweets, <laughs> and then later on there might be they might be taken away because the the guides, the spiritual guides who are behind these experiences. They realize that you can be trusted to pursue the path without being given toys you know to, to make you happy because mm -hmm. it's not all about happiness um, ultimately of course it is all about happiness but in this world which is a world of learning it isn't all about happiness it's about it's about going deep into yourself finding all the the dark stains in your soul and you know that sounds bad but we all have these things don't we we all have these dark corners to ourselves and they have to be brought out and i um I'll, I'll tell you a story about what happened when i was with this person who was the the channel for the masters as they as they, as they were called it was my birthday um i think i was about 24 25 and out of nowhere, we suddenly began having a massive row. I think it was about some incense or something that I didn't like mm -hmm. and he bought. It just sort of escalated out of, out of nowhere. And it was a huge row. And at the end of it, um, we meditated and he went into trance and the master spoke to me and they said, did you like our birthday present to you? And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and they said, the row with our brother, as, as they would call him. And I said, well, thanks very much. Not, not my favorite present, but um, what was behind it? And they said, it's to bring out the, the pride and irritability that is within your soul. And you guard to yourself, you identify with that, that but that's part of your 
your self-image and we have, we have to bring this out so you become aware of it. So it's uncomfortable. Mm. We, we all have these things. We all have these dark stains, I call them. I guess that's what they are. Um, and we don't really confront them unless we absolutely have to. But sometimes when you're on the spiritual path, that they are brought out. If you have a tendency to anger, that might be brought out. Um, any of these. Impatient, which happened earlier with me, right? Like I always feel like for me, patience is a big a big lesson that I'm working on constantly. Well, me um, too, yes. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand that, yeah. And I feel like these little things along the way are always like tests to me around like, how are you doing with that patience piece of this earthly yes. life? And, and, and we get tests. We get tests where whereby the things we want to avoid, uh, we're confronted with. And um, so, I feel like they're more like pop quizzes. Like what? Not sorry? so much tests. I said, I feel like they're more like pop quizzes. Maybe, maybe, yes. Like a pop quiz versus a test. I think a test you can study for a little bit. I don't know. I feel like sometimes they just pop up and you're like, oh man, there it is again. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Well, th this is the thing. Um, we're taken by surprise. We, we're, we're tested where we're where we are weakest, um, and so you know we can think we have all these defenses up. But the clever thing about spiritual guides is they they know how to get through our defenses, and and they can reveal ourselves to ourselves in a way which we were reluctant to do in normal life. You know, because we we all we all hide behind an image of ourselves, don't we? Really, and. And the point of the spiritual path, or one of the points, not the only point, but one of the points is to is to pierce that image. And so we um, we see ourselves naked, I guess. That's what it has to be. Mm -hmm. So it, I, I think that this quote kind of sums up a little bit about what we're talking about here. So you said even, even people who call themselves spiritual identify with their material selves and worldly personality. They seek to make that better, but this approach can lead to a kind of materialistic spirituality in which the earthly ego is regarded as the one to be saved, when in fact it is the earthly and it goes and desires that must be put in their place before anyone can be born again in spirit. Yes, because that goes back to this business of, of um, who we are in this world, our, our image of ourselves. That, that it goes back to our mm -hmm. image of ourselves and our spiritual self. It's if we want to try and save or spiritualize the image of ourselves, that's not going to work because you know it's like trying to make yourself taller by standing on your head. It's it's. It's the self-centered ego. I, I was doing that this morning. That doesn't work. You were trying to make yourself taller by standing on your head. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's a yoga position. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to achieve that desired outcome, probably. It's, it's, the, um, it's the sense of self as, a, as an independent, separate being, which we have to confront and overcome and and find our, our true self centered in God rather than centered in our earthly ego. I think that's what that's what that mm -hmm. means. 
Well, and I love that term materialistic spirituality, because I think right now it feels like we could go one of two ways, maybe the materialistic spiritual route or the true spiritual path, which you're talking about here. And it feels to me sometimes like there tends to be kind of more performative spirituality, which turns away from truly looking to your point at these dark spots, these dark sides, maybe Jung would call them the shadow self, um, Freud, the unconscious, like all of these unconscious wishes and beliefs and dreams and um, fantasies that we have. And this is where I love how the psychology and the spirituality really do come together so beautifully. You see this in some of the, the gurus of, of, the, of the past. I'm not really familiar with people around at the moment, but I knew a bit of some of the past. And, and they would become infatuated with themselves as a spiritual being, as a guru. And so they, they lose touch with spirituality because they are more concerned with themselves as, as, as a spiritual person or a spiritual leader, even more. And therefore they've fallen right back into their into their material self, although it's, mm. a, it's a spiritualized material self, so they don't realize that it's a, it's a material self. Um, and that is, it's a temptation for all of us. That's, it's, it's, you know, it's easy to criticize these gurus because they have their acolytes, their disciples, and their disciples feed their ego, but we haven't necessarily been in that position. So it's, it's, it's a temptation for anybody once they've traveled a little way on the spiritual path, not to be tripped up by the success that they have and let it go to their head because that's a strong mm -hmm. possibility. That's why mm -hmm. they say humility is the most important quality to, um, I don't know if acquire is the right word, but I'll use it anyway. Embody, to embody. Maybe. Yes, that's, that's, that's much better, yes. So to embody on the spiritual path. And again, demonstrated by Jesus in his life, when, for instance, he washed he washed the feet of his disciples. And of course, now you, you get a spiritual teacher who go around washing the feet of his disciples, but it would just be a, a big show. But at that time, mm. when Jesus did it, it was shocking because it had never been considered before that a holy man would do this for his disciples. Um, mm -hmm. So that was humility. So one more question before I open it up for anybody in the audience who wants to come on up and ask some questions. Do you ever believe that a soul, uh, that, that a body can be without a soul? Or is sometimes the soul just not a great soul, like a little bit evil? Well, there are, there are bad souls. I mean, this is something that one soon learns on the spiritual path that evil exists. Um, it's not, it's not all, you know, it's not all peace and love in the spiritual world. There are evil beings. Um, so why are they evil? If they're trying, if the goal is to move towards a divine oneness and love, what is the purpose of evil? Well, it's free will. It's uh, a, God has given us free will so we can become fully creative, aware beings, and not just automata. But free will means that things can go bad, that the, the ego aspect we were talking about earlier can become all-consuming. 
it, it seems stupid. Why would anybody want to do this? But um, I imagine there is a kind of power that can be gained from that. And shortcut to apparent spiritual gifts, because I think some of these evil beings on spiritual plane are very powerful. They can be very intelligent, but they obviously lack love. That's the, the principal mm. characteristic that they lack. And, and we know that in this world, there are, there are psychopaths, sociopaths who clearly can't engage with other people, who don't regard other people as almost real. <laughs> and I think this, this can happen spiritually as, as well. You said, are there bodies without souls? I don't, I don't know. I would, I would imagine that could be possible but I, I'm not quite sure what it would look like. It, it may be that the soul has departed and the body still remains and will perhaps be in a, a vegetative state. But I think everything has a spiritual yeah, aspect Yeah, I just meant it. more like, are there, are there more functioning bodies without souls? Or when someone says something like, does, that person doesn't seem to have a soul, is it really that they are devoid of love in some way, I guess is what I'm hearing you say. And that perhaps is, that it, is what equates to like the soulless feeling is that there isn't the ability to to give and receive love. I think I think that is just what it is. Yes, it may, it may be that there is a a disconnect between their their material self, their their brain, their emotional self, and the soul, because we have to have this small connection, small in most of us, between the higher self or the soul and and the material self, which we're mostly conscious of on a day-to-day -day basis. And if you get somebody who's cut themselves off from that, because people do, I mean, more and more these days, it seems to me, people just cut themselves off from awareness of, of a, the possibility of a spiritual realm. And And if you do that, then you are going to, you're going to shrink, spiritually speaking. You're going to contract on yourself. And I, I've, I've seen people who have a kind of darkness around them. They're not necessarily bad in an everyday sense. You know, they're not, they're not Nazis or anything. But they're just spiritually dead because they have, they have spiritually crippled themselves by false beliefs, by... Mm. denial and rejection of higher realities and that's a that's a sad effect whether that means they don't have a soul or whether that means they have cut themselves off from their soul i'm not sure mm -hmm. I, I would guess there is eventually the point where you could cut yourself soft so much that it's almost as though you don't have a soul but i hope there's a way back <laughs> to mm -hmm. such people so, William, I'm going to open it up for questions, but in the meantime, if anybody wants to ask questions, just go ahead and raise your hand. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about your work and your book if they're interested? Well, um, my, my books, I have th three books um, published by John Hunt Publishing. They're, all, they're available in the usual places. Amazon, I have to say. Um, <laughs> I believe they can, they can be ordered through bookshops. I have a, the first book I wrote is called Meeting the Masters. That was about 
the actual experience I had with these discarnate beings. Um, it's, it's called a spiritual apprenticeship, really, which is how I really regarded it. So that's mm. autobiographical in a way. The second book is called Remember the Creator, because I think that's something people on the spiritual path sometimes tend not to do. It's a, it's a funny thing. God has become surplus to requirements. But I think it's very important that we are aware that there is a creator and that we live in a creation so that we have this, we have this connection to, to God, which we might somehow lack if we just thought spirituality was purely about us becoming spiritual, independent of, of a divine force. And then this more recent one, which just come out, is called Earth is a School, which, which was um, a phrase told to me by my teachers. They, mm. they said, that's what it is. And so the book is about how the school operates, what's the, what the school is for, some of the lessons, some of the tests, some of the opportunities. And at the end, there is a chapter which is, a, again, about my encounter with these spiritual beings, which was something that lasted over the course of about 20 years and a few transcriptions from some of their talks with me. Because at the beginning, I did, I did keep records of their talks, and then, then I didn't bother anymore. <laughs> but at the beginning, I did, as a, as a new boy. <laughs> so more like you sort of the channeled insights that yeah. you gained. Oh, and I have, a, I have a blog called Meeting the Masters, um, which I suppose anybody could find by going to Meeting the Masters, William Wildblood. And uh, I put up about nine or ten articles a month, I think, on that. Um, so that's how I keep going. Well, and all of that will be in my show notes for everybody. So no one needed to write, write all of that down, but we'll have that for everybody. If anybody, again, I want to open it up for questions. If anybody has questions for either myself or William at this time, please go ahead and raise your hand otherwise, or ask to come up on stage. Otherwise, we will wrap it up in just a minute or two here. So I'll wait for just a second, but I know... Um, I'm also going to look in the chat real quick. I always forget to do this. Let's see. Okay. It doesn't look like there's any questions in the chat either. Um, I think I think we are all set. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. And thank you so much for your patience with me at the beginning of the show. At some point, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to get it right from the get-go. But I am still, I feel like every single time there's still some sort of technical issue. I think today's was on my end in terms of just not being able to hear. So um, every time I am learning as well. So thank you everybody for listening today. Thank you so much, William, for being patient with me, for trying out some new technology. Thanks to your son for helping because we all need the help of the younger generation for this technology stuff. Um, and I will see you all. I'm actually going to be on Monday, this Monday on Fireside. And I have a couple of guests talking about spirituality in the workplace. So tune in. It's not posted yet, but I'm going to get it all up today so you all can see what's coming. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for having me on your show, Amy. Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it.
Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. <laughs>